Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Everybody, welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne. We are continuing our discussion about HR killing innovation efforts. This is a series that I started a couple months ago with Josh Berry, who is the co-founder of Econic. Josh, how are you today? Doing great. It's been a good summer so far. It has been a great summer, and I'm so happy to have you back on the show to continue our conversation about HR and the potential not just the potential, but we've seen it kill innovation efforts. And so we're going to continue this conversation. Our last show, we talked about hiring for innovation. And we're going to take that one step further and talk a bit about management for innovation. So before we do that, though, Josh, could you give us a brief overview of you and what you do over there at Econic? Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. I started Econic a while back with a specific emphasis on helping companies accelerate their innovation efforts. And specifically, we're seeing that just as we're talking about here, it's HR, it's it's a number of things around what really got them to where they are today that sometimes make it so it's extremely hard for them to uh, do extremely innovative things. And so we come alongside them and we help them through innovation strategy and, and teaching them uh, great tactics that we've learned from the startups uh, that we've uh, invested, mentored, coached over the years. And in some instances, even since the last time you and I have spoken, we're actually taking on and doing uh, some of the innovative ideas for these companies. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And I have really enjoyed this series. I think it's important uh, in particular for companies that are on the go and really want to move forward with innovation to understand how management, how leadership, how the human resources part of the organization, the people part, can actually slow that innovative process down and, and what gets in the way of innovation. So let's talk a little bit about management selection. You mentioned this in your post that we've been using as our guideline for this. And we know from past conversations that there's a little bit of risk that's involved with moving forward in an innovative company. You have to be willing to to take risk. You have to be willing to recognize risk and know that you're actually taking. I think some people just plow through, not even realizing, oh, this could be a risk. So it's important to understand that. So what you reference a calculated risk. Let's talk about what a calculated risk taker actually is. What does that type of individual look like within an innovative company? You know, it's, it's an interesting balance because at, at one part of it, we're really looking for somebody to uh, do things that maybe other people in the rest of the organization who are tasked with 
maybe growth, but but at the end of the day, really protecting the core business that those people might not do because it would be seen as too risky. Yet at that same time, they also need to, the, the innovation leader needs to understand that they are being given uh, resources by the corporation and not all of them want them to just uh, take that pile of money and light it on fire and see huh. it's out of the ashes. So, so being a calculated risk taker, I, I sometimes put it as being able to make decisions with maybe only 70 to 80% of the information. It's thinking about things uh, that might be a little bit beyond the scope of what the normal manager or leader might be doing there and knowing that you're not going to have everything, but knowing that uh, to really thrive in the fast-paced world of innovation and change, you need to make decisions. And it may not always be the right decisions, but you're going to make enough small uh, decisions and learn from them that uh, what happens at the end of the day is you end up taking risks, but they're a little bit more calculated because you're not just taking huge home run swings every time. Well, it's interesting because so many leaders of today or management, when it comes down to the actual managing of an organization, deciding the next step, deciding the future, understanding how your vision can take you through to the future with your organization. Sometimes we rely so much on information in order to make a decision that it stops us, it hinders us from being able to make a decision. We, we enter that phase of stop. I can't do anything. I have to know, have more details. I have to have more information. I cannot make a decision without that. And that actually prohibits innovation. We've discussed that, right? When you come to that place where you're actually unable to make a decision, you have um, frozen in time, if you will. So it's really important to be able to look beyond that 70% of the amount of information that you have and be able to take that, to go ahead and jump and take that risk. One of the things that has been a driving force for me in my own work and in my ability to do my job well is actually having an outlook that captures strategy, right? Really looking forward, looking ahead and saying, if I do this, this will happen. If I go this direction, that will happen. So when we understand the long-term view of an organization, it requires a great deal of strategy and forethought. I think I naturally come by that. It's something I've always had, even as a, you know, even as a little kid, I can remember back in fourth grade, really understanding, hey, I can, I can kind of read the future. When it really wasn't reading the future, it was actually understanding steps in our life, right? And, sure. and how we get from one place to another. But it felt like I could read the future. That was my superpower in fourth grade. So are people born with the ability to think strategically? Or is that something that can be learned? You know, as you mentioned, and I kind of feel the same way, Ryan, that same ability to always be thinking almost as the world is a big chessboard and always being right. able to see a couple plays uh, in advance. And there are people who are naturally born a little bit more strategic in their ability to think ahead or understand how or where things are going. And so whenever possible, as you're making up an innovation team, being able to have at least a few of those people on board helps you to continue to think around those corners, right, that might be coming. That said, there are definitely things that most anybody can do to at least increase their level of long-term thinking or strategic thinking uh, as they approach things. You know, as you mentioned, it's almost being able to think through steps. If you do any research out there on model thinking or using different right. models, to be able to approach things, that many times gives people the tools or the equipment to be able to start to think about which steps or what are the most appropriate ways to address this particular situation. I'm trying to recall, and maybe we can put it in the show notes, but there was an interesting study that showed that the multi-model thinker outperformed you know, 
all the people who just went off of their gut or just went off their talent or just went off of using single models. So, so when you start to understand how things work, you can start to apply your thoughts or the opportunities that you're coming across and see if that gives you any new insight into uh, the long term. So there's so much to talk about when we talk about strategy. It actually is a major part of business today. It has to, you have to have folks on your management team, on your leadership team, folks in the trenches that can actually look beyond the work that's right in front of their face. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to identify that ability. And then also Josh mentions silo smashing, and we're going to touch on that when we come back. We'll be right back. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software. By HR for HR. And we are back talking today about management selection for innovative companies. One of the things that we talked about before the break was how important it is to have a strategic thinker on your team, a few of them on the level of leadership, management, and so forth. Josh, maybe you can give us some ideas of how to identify the right people or how to get the right people in those positions that can actually lead you to a place where you can be flexible, your organization, as we know how important being agile is when you're an innovative company. And then even beyond that is really being able to collaborate. How can we identify folks that can that won't hinder uh, development or innovation with an organization? How do we really get to a place of collaboration? Sure. I think some of the key indicators that you can look at when you're interviewing somebody, maybe who will lead up that innovation team, or you start to just try to pick up feelers if they might be the right person. You know, I, I think you look for individuals who have at least more than one different uh, domain or field of expertise. You know, I think it's intriguing to find people who have had to engage both left and right brain in the work that they've done. So maybe they've done sales and client work and product, but uh, they also had a stint in accounting or, or right. maybe had uh, an HR person who also had to do operations for a while. Looking at people who have maybe worked in small as well as large organizations, somebody who's done startups, but they've also worked in corporate. Just any sort of those indicators or markers that would help you see that this person has had to adapt and be in multiple different environments. Another thing, and, and this is probably contrary to what uh, most HR people think, but just because someone has changed jobs often might not be the warning flag that they might not be the right person to lead this. Uh, needing to dive in a little bit more to understand why this person, you know, if it was because they routinely got bored or they kept challenging authority or right. they were taking too many risks or uh, they were always excited about something else. Again, that may not be you know complete uh, ticket to go and you should hire that person right away. But those might actually be good indicators of what you might want in this particular person. I think you just described me. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. I, I'm very excited about my work. I love trying new things. Um, I've had opportunity to, to have several different types of jobs wearing different hats. That's one of the great things about working with a small company or a startup is that you have an opportunity to be a part of a, maybe a cross-functional team, maybe um, sit in on a couple of meetings, learn a little bit more. I mean, I was I was doing recruiting for 
a startup company and I was part of product development also. You know, so there's a really great opportunity to bring in the right people to your organization and being able to look beyond the paper resume, you know, read in between the lines as it were. One of the things that you reference in the post is silo smashing. If you could just give us an overview of what a silo is. I mean, I'm very familiar having read many business books, you know, talking about silos, but just give us an overview of what a silo is and what you, what do you mean by silo smashing? What kind of person would come into an innovative company and say, hey, we're going to smash these silos. What does that mean? Sure. You know, obviously the idea of a silo is that self-contained unit. You know, I'm out here in Nebraska. We still have quite a few silos around here and it's everything is self-contained in this area. And so it's your department or your team that continues to almost be autonomous and self-fulfilling. And and it's very hard for that group to be able to communicate or go outside or collaborate uh, with other teams or other business units or other geographies uh, that might actually help them at the end of the day. And so when we start to think about smashing those silos, what we're identifying is that some of the best opportunities for collaboration and then innovation comes from being able to get out of my team and start to understand the point of view of what another team or another client or another vendor or another geography is actually doing. Because having the mixture of, of different perspectives as well as different thought processes uh, helps you start to spark those levels of innovation. So I definitely want somebody who can come in and start to break down some of those barriers and start to get into other people's silos, if you will. The other piece is that when we see somebody who's actually already been pretty good at that, they might be great at leading up those innovation initiatives as well, because many times that innovation team can be set off on an island and they may be working on something great, but then all of a sudden they're going to need to run a, they're going to run into something that's going to run them afoul of either compliance or HR or legal or finance or somebody whose who's job is really to protect the core organization. And so somebody who's a silo smasher typically doesn't do it out of malice or, or, or negativity, but it's about bridging gaps. It's, it's about going and reaching out and bringing other people in. And so it, that individual many times will have a little bit more foresight into pulling in compliance a little bit earlier than what's needed or other things that can hopefully help facilitate that corporate innovation a little bit further. So do you think that in order to hire the right person to be part of the management or leadership team at an innovative company, they have needed to have past leadership experience? Or is it a good idea to bring somebody in that maybe is, is new to management, new to uh, something outside of their own departmental leadership? What do you think? So I'm a huge believer in young talent and giving people great, fresh, new opportunities. In a position like this, though, this is this is a little bit of a difficult position. It's not the easiest training ground if you're giving somebody their very first experience on leading people and they're having to figure out all of those dynamics of what it really truly means to be a strong leader of a team. There's also many times a lot of uh, arrows and stones that are being cast at this person who's leading that team. And so it does take somebody who can be strong and stand up to those. And so I, I wouldn't say 100% absolutely no, but I can think of a lot of other first-time management or leadership positions that might be a better training ground for somebody. I think that's really important and a wise thing that you just shared with us right there. I, I just, I, it's such a difficult job to lead anyway. And if you're trying to lead through innovation and, and lead through challenges, because you're going to face challenges. I've had opportunities to work with several startups and the ones that failed, failed because of poor management. They either mismanaged people or they mismanaged money. 
And I think that if we really look beyond that and hang on to that in the background and say, okay, can they really manage people? Can they really manage process? Can they really manage money? You're going to be in a better place further down the road when it comes time to ask for more money or to, to build a, a bigger team or, you know, add, add to any part or aspect of that organization. Is there anything more you'd like to add there, Josh? Nope. I, I think we're good. Awesome. Well, it's been great to talk with you again. When we come back, we're going to continue this series, When HR Kills Innovation Efforts. In our next show, we're going to talk about compensation. Ooh, we talked a little bit about that, a little bit about money and about performance management and moving forward for success with innovation. Thanks, Josh, for joining me today. Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks for joining us today on HR Lab TV.